Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning, Red Sea listeners across Central Texas, and welcome to Red Sea Roundup. Today, I'm your host, Judy Como. I'm so excited to be here. If you're here in the Bryan College Station area listening on KEDC 88.5, perhaps this phenomena is going on across our listening area at KYAR 98.3. And KINF 107.9, but if you look out the window, the sun is shining. Hadn't seen that in a couple of days over here, and I am so excited. I wore my shades for the first time in a long time. Good morning, Thaddeus. The sun is shining (laughs) everywhere. That's my Frank Sinatra impression. Good morning, Judy. You... You have this ability to uh, silence me. That doesn't happen. You just often. never, you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. It's awesome you? though. I love it. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Great. Now I this is a this is a red letter day in our uh, on our family, my family here, because this is the fourth anniversary of the uh, the flood that devastated our home. Uh, we were had three and a half inches of water in our home. May 26, 2017, and we were out of our home for a whole year, and I just want to say publicly on the air, thank you to uh, thank you to Borsky Homes that did the remodel. They did a great job, and uh, had a lot of people, family, and friends who uh, helped us out through that time, and so. You know, trying to trying to be upbeat today, and I am in a good mood. But then yes. you, but but just thinking back onto that time, and um, man, we were it was it was a palpable, just real um, life example. We talk about it in my family of God bringing good out of bad. Absolutely, like we're, I, we live inside of that good that He brought out of that bad. Uh, praise God and for so that. That's so true. Praise God for that. You can see pictures on TV when devastation is going on, but when you squish through someone else's house in your own home, as you're talking about experiencing, yeah. it brings those realities. So uh, yeah. much like Snowmageddon and yes. uh, Keith and I were yes. uh, talking about that, remembering back, it really... We had everybody has a story to tell, but it really kind of changed us a little bit. And, you know, it was we made fun. We made it fun to go scoop up snow and melt it and Mm -hmm. be able Mm -hmm. to do some things. And uh, yeah, that's right. Y'all were making water out of the (laughs) snow. Wow. (laughs) Oh, it worked out great. That's all that Alaska, the last frontier experience that we have from watching those the Alaska (laughs) shows on the Discovery Channel. Y'all bonded in a whole new way. Absolutely. Hey, before we go any further, let's uh, have our St. Joseph prayer this morning. Yes. Yes, let's do. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O blessed Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, protector of... Sorry. (laughs) 
O blessed Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, protector of your chaste spouse, the Virgin Mother of God, I choose you this day to be my special patron and advocate, and I firmly resolve to honor you all the days of my life. Therefore, I humbly call on you to receive me as your adopted child, to instruct me in every doubt, to comfort me in every affliction, to obtain for me all the knowledge and the love of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and finally, to defend and protect me at the hour of my death. Amen. We'd like to remind you that we're making this prayer during the year of St. Joseph. It carries a plenary indulgence instead of the usual partial indulgence. A plenary indulgence is the complete remission of the temporal punishment due to sin that have already been absolved through the sacrament of confession. You can offer this indulgence, especially for a deceased family member released from purgatory. Amen. I <clears throat> and Pat, uh, I was just listening to Patrick Madrid this morning, and he was answering a guy's question about uh, one a scriptural reference for purgatory, and he talked about uh, Saint Paul writing about mm-hmm. uh, you know the foundation, and then the 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 good the good that someone's done being uh, being left behind as gold and silver, and then the bad that they've done being uh, burned off, burned away, mm-hmm. but the person will will suffer loss and. That's, it's right there. It doesn't use the word purgatory, but purgation means to to get to get rid of, to purge. That's where we get the word purge, and it's a it's a biblical doctrine. Beautiful, yeah. I, just to make a little excuse for myself to hiccup and while reading the prayer, I try to make the habit of every time I speak Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Blessed Mother, I bow my head a little so do bit. I. But when you're trying to read a script. <laughs> You lost your place. <laughs> I thought you got choked up. Uh, that too. That too. Today we celebrate the feast of the memorial of St. Philip Neri. St. Philip was a Christian missionary and founder of the Congregation of the Oratory, a community of Catholic priests and lay brothers. And as I was doing a little research to uh, talk about St. Philip, I was blessed to scroll through Facebook this morning, and so we're going to talk, tell you a little bit about St. Philip, but I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Ablaze Ministry and their uh, Beyond the Pew. If um, you have children or grandchildren or you're just interested in hearing some really good Catholic things and ideas, uh, Beyond the Pew is a great place to go. Um, and so Emily posted this morning, St. Philip loved to joke, cultivate new friendships, and lead excursions to other churches, often with music and a picnic along the way. Today, celebrate with your family by having your own picnic outdoors today. Pack a lunch or dinner and spend some time outside. Pray over your meal and close the prayer by saying, St. Philip Neary, pray for us. And our mutual friend, Jennifer Stavanoa, replied, I love St. Philip Neri. Once a priest confessed to him that he was struggling with scrupulosity. The penance that Philip Neri gave him was a challenge to a foot race in the middle of the town. 
He would also do things like only shave half of his face to let people know that he didn't take himself too seriously. Even in all of this, Philip Neary had a miraculous encounter with the Holy Spirit and lived his whole life in joy and on fire for Christ. St. Philip Neary, pray for us. I just love that. So check out, if you have a Facebook, go to Beyond the Pew. They have over 1,400 followers, and it really is always interesting and uplifting to get some ideas on how to help with our kids and our grandkids. I know you're trying to tell me something, Thaddeus, but... <laughs> hey, do we, do we have Barbara Swatek? Is she on the line? Hey, Barbara. Mm, we don't have her. Uh-oh. Thought we did. Well, we do know that she's going to try to call in, and she's going to talk about our Moses ministry. So, Barbara, if you can hear us, call back because the call dropped. What is, what is that Moses ministry? You tell me. <laughs> Moses ministry is our prayer lay apostolate as we try to talk and text all at the same time. I think Thaddeus is going to try to get her on the air. I want to talk, tell you guys uh, in the next part of the show, my guest is Marcel Lejeune. We're going to talk a little bit about ministry, evangelization, discipleship, living in this world as our churches are waking up and coming back to what we hope is our new normal. Lots of scurrying around in the office this morning, guys. Did you say, I, I overheard you say that St. Philip Neri shaved his face? Shaved half shaved, of shaved his half face. Shaved half of his face? <laughs> wow, that's really going the extra. I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could could go out in public with just uh, half of my uh, mm-hmm. half of my face, well, he's, my beard uh, shaved. I'm too prideful. His patronage is joy. And Mm -hmm. as I was reading through um, some of the things to mention, he really had an ability to be who people needed to be at that moment. He did uh, a lot of street evangelization and Ah. walked around. He spent his time as a hermit where he went long periods of time of bread and water only, a few uh, herbs and vegetables along the way. So he he went through different phases in his life. But um, I learned this morning that he was known as the second apostle of Rome mm-hmm. because or to Rome because that's where his vocation was, was located. He, he was, was born lived, in Florence, but he, he and he grew up there, and then he, as when he was called to ministry, he moved to Rome. And so he evangelized the people of Rome. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay, thank you, technology. Uh, thank we do you. have we do have Barbara now. Okay, awesome. Hey, Barbara. Good morning. Got about, hey, Judy. Got about four minutes. I say six time is a charm. <laughs> well, good deal. Well, um, tell our listeners about the Moses. Let's ministry. get into the Moses Moses ministry information that we want to talk about this morning. Okay. Well. um, I think I, I was going to ask Dennis if he was there, if he'd tell us about the beginning, but I, I'll go ahead and tell what I know. And if I'm lying, then he'll <laughs> correct me later. But um, at the very beginning, when, when Dennis had the call 
on his heart to start this apostolate, he and Darby started praying about it. And I think she came up with the name, but maybe they did it together. But they came up with the name Moses Ministry to pray for the radio station uh, to get it started to begin with and then to keep it going after it started. And I met Dennis at St. Anthony's, oh, I don't know, 24 years ago or so. And uh, now maybe 20, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, it, it was probably, I don't know, a number of years after that when he started talking about the radio station. And so I was in it from the ground floor uh, with when Father Patrick was at St. Anthony's and he became the uh, chaplain for the apostolate. And it was just so exciting to see Red Sea grow from, from its ground roots. And that's the second awesome organization I've seen do that because I was with 40 Days for Life in the beginning too. But anyways, um, I have always had it in my heart to pray for this apostolate. And uh, I joined Moses Ministry a number of years ago. And then um, I guess two years ago, I I took over as trying to be more the coordinator for it. And so we, I'm trying to band together as many people as I can to pray for Red Sea. And um, we have started a new campaign, which um, sounds easy, but it is, I believe with the power of prayer and and coordinated prayer that um, we can band together and, and move mountains with this. It's simply to pray three Hail Marys a day for Red Sea Radio. And you can pray it on the, for the day-to-day operations of the, of the station, or you can pick um, a specific part of the radio that you would like to pray for, like for the cell towers. I mean, the radio towers, there's four of them that need to keep running. And there's the staff to pray for. There's Dennis and Thaddeus. Robin in Waco and Caitlin, the one that holds everything together. (laughs) And then um, there's just all the mechanical, you know, the computers and everything else Mm -hmm. that goes into making Red Sea work. Okay. That's what we do. Well, as we we have about less than a minute left, how do people who are not a part of Moses Ministry join in this crusade? Um, Well, they can go on the website and hit the pray button. Um, Perfect. And there should be an option there to do it, or they can call Red Sea and get it hooked up that way. Very good. All right. Thanks, BFF. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for all the hard work that you do. Three Hail Marys a day. That's all it takes. Three we got it. Y'all come join us. Thank you. Bye bye. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. If you're just joining us, good for you. This is going to be the best 45 minutes of your day coming up. My name is Judy Como. I want to remind our listeners that this is a live program, and we would welcome a call at 855-683-7332. Today, I'm here with Marcel Lejeune. Marcel, 
is the president and go founder, co-founder. No, just blah, the founder. Blah, blah, blah. You don't even have to read that. Nobody okay. cares. And if anybody I think does, that they do, Marcel. If you they know, know who I, think, I am, they're turning off their radios anyway. I think you? we spend a lot of time thinking we know something, and we maybe don't. So although your name is going to be very familiar to people locally here and Throughout all of our listening area, it's not very often that and I don't on the hear interwebs, you especially on relevant radio on morning air. Lots of uh, yeah. opportunity for you to be on there. So welcome, Marcel. Yeah. Um, so let me do the bio because that bio, okay. you know, that, you got to. Yes, write this well, stuff I want to tell you, you need to update it a little bit yeah. because it's still. I, I love Jesus, <laughs> and I love the Catholic Church, and I'm married and got five kids. One of them's about to fly the coop. Um, she just graduated from A&M. Um, Very exciting I, I've time. I've been working in ministry for two decades, most of it in campus ministry at St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I work with bishops and priests and Catholic leaders and help them do better at their jobs. I mean, I coach them and I train them in evangelization discipleship. That's what I do. Cool. So that's me. And that's a, all those words fall on my ears because I also have a passion for evangelization and discipleship, and I want to learn how to do that better. Don't we all? The idea of uh, getting you to come on is, you know, I feel like we're in a little springboard, mm-hmm. not only in our own local parishes, but in the Catholic Church at large, um, here in the Austin Diocese, mm-hmm. the dispensation for Mass has been lifted, and parishes are scurrying to try to make all of that happen, and I think as I was kind of explaining to Thaddeus, I think we all have questions on our heart of mm-hmm. how to do what we do, what we love, what we care about in a better, more intentional way, yeah. and I hope that we could kind of talk about that. So that's why I think it's so important also that if our listeners have something to contribute, please call us. Yeah. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So, And there's a lot of issues surrounding this stuff. I mean, COVID is something that has definitely divided people. That's that's part of what we got to understand is it a lot of people have a lot of opinions about how we're supposed to open, what we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to open, whether masks are effective, mm-hmm. should you get a vaccine, all those things there's a lot of opinions out there. And w- to preface this conversation, I just want to say, I want you to really stop and think about two things. One, is my opinion true or just an opinion? And if it's just an opinion, then I shouldn't be sharing it like it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And secondly, try to, try to imagine being a bishop of hundreds of thousands of Catholics with well over 100 parishes and, you know, hundred hundreds of priests and trying to make these decisions, not in a vacuum, but with all this same kind of information, with all these opinions and getting bombarded with this at the same time that, that the episcopacy in our country right now is probably at a low point in having uh, kind of a, an authority and speaking with real um, strength, even though there's a, it's probably at a healthier spot than it has been in decades. If you think about it, you know, because a lot of the scoundrels have been run out of the Episcopacy and we got good, strong men who I mean, I know most of these guys in Texas. Um, some of them I call friends. I, I have people and, and to, to talk to them on a personal level. If you stop and think about it, and this is what I want our listeners to think about. It is difficult to be a bishop. And to make a decision as to when to open up and how to open up and what are we supposed to do and how am I supposed to balance all this stuff? Because on the one side, you got people who are very afraid of COVID-19. And on the other side, you got people who are saying, if you're afraid of COVID-19, you're an idiot. (laughs) 
Okay. And everywhere in between and that. And then everywhere in between. So look, you're, you're a spiritual father in this, whether you're the pastor, whether you're a bishop, and you got to make a decision based upon the fact that you've got everything there and, and, and throw in, you know, all the other politicization of all this stuff, you know, and the, the issues and all the other problems and try to make a decision based on that. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to make everybody happy, right? That's difficult. And let's just acknowledge that it's difficult and that the fact is our opinions are mm-hmm. not facts. Our opinions don't make truth. And so if we start to share them like that, what we do is we undermine the mission of the church based upon something that doesn't have to, to do that. In other words, when I come to a COVID-19 issue, whether that's when we should open up our churches or whatever, and I make it the gospel message that if you don't believe how I believe or think how I think about this issue, then you're wrong. And I'm going to tell you just how wrong you are. What you're doing is you're pushing somebody away from right. the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to re-earn your trust to be able to speak something that is true into your life. So we got to be careful about that. Now, look, I'm guilty of this too, right? I mean, come on, you sit down, you have a glass of bourbon with me, I'm going to tell you what I think. But, you know, proclaiming it, you know, far and wide, you're an idiot for this, or, you know, uh, you're trying to kill me or, and grandma, you know, all the other stuff. It's just a difficult place to be. And Goodness it adds gracious. to the problem. It adds to the divisiveness. It oh, adds yeah. to the uneasiness. It adds to the anxiety. Uh, Marcel, what do you think would be the situation if COVID-19 was happening not in the social media age? What would it look like? Because I think the communications piece has a lot because everyone's always had opinions. But yeah. now everybody with an opinion has a megaphone, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is, you're right about that. First thing I would say is I think what happens is our fringe, um, both, in, uh, you know, both sides of any issue, any issue, you, the fringe has a loud platform. And what happens is they also attract followers. So what, what happens is that like-minded people nowadays live in bubbles where they get, you know, their opinions confirmed and they find people who agree with them. And all they do is they seek that out. And then, then everybody else is an enemy. Now, that's the wrong way to approach people as a Christian, as a Catholic disciple. That's the wrong way to approach other people. I can disagree with you and you don't need to be my enemy. You're still my brother or sister in Christ. And if you're not a Christian... You're, you're still somebody that God values so much that he would die on a cross for you 2,000 years ago so that you could have an opportunity to go to heaven. And my mission as a Christian is to go and help that person realize that, not to prove them wrong, not to go and say, you know what, you're, you're, you're somebody who I oppose in your opinions and all the other stuff. And, and we really have to recast a vision for why am I here on this planet? And social media divides Quite honestly. So if I get on social media, we need to stop and think, what am I using this for? Am I using this for good news or bad news? Am I using this to reach other people so that I'm helping build them up spiritually? And and sometimes that might mean calling something out, right, about the culture, about something. But how do I even do that? What's the tone I'm using? What What's going on there? Um, and am I going to drive other people away? So, yeah, I think if it wasn't in the social media age, we'd probably, you know, be dealing with it in a completely different way, right? in a way that maybe we could sit around and talk about this a little bit more. Uh, do you remember when we used to talk about things <laughs> face-to-face rather than like, you know what, I'm just going to argue with somebody on Twitter or Instagram or something? Um, it's silliness now. 
It's yeah. just it's heightened our silliness. Some of the things that I've read from you uh, about discipleship groups and things like that has kind of morphed because of COVID in my life. I have uh, been a part of a Bible study at St. Anthony's for 20 plus years and a bunch of 60 year old women had to embrace Zoom and it was amazing for us to conquer technology and many of us, I mean, every week we had nearly 20 joining in jumping over those Zoom hurdles and all of that and forming relationship and community. But we had a smaller group of four of us that met on Monday that kind of planned what that. So, and we're really a very diverse group that we're um, different in age. We're different in some politics that we skirt around and kind of hold each other's feet to the fire as Mm -hmm. a Catholic and things like that. So that's been able to happen in my life. And so those conversations that you're talking about, I've been blessed to have. Yeah. But yeah. And one of the things I don't want people to take away from our conversation here is that you can't have an opinion. That's that's not what I'm saying. Right. I've got I come on. We we all have differing opinions here and that's fine. That's OK. But it's how we deliver the opinion when we deliver the opinion and, you know, if we should deliver the opinion at all. Well, right. Again. I mean, and there are times where you shouldn't. Let's just put it this way. You know that our <laughs> bishops have opinions on some of this stuff. Right. And I guarantee you that there are bishops with differing opinions. Um, but even some of our bishops are, are not very prudent about when they share their opinions or how they share their opinions. And I'm not talking about a particular slice of the church. I'm talking, this is just all over the place, right? And again, it's a prudential issue. Um, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying I'm perfect either. But if you have an opinion, we should stop and say, okay, is, is it appropriate right now and is this going to help this person by sharing the opinion rather than just, well, I just need to get this off my chest. Um, you know, and I, as I get older, hopefully I get a little bit more prudent, a little bit more discerning as to when this should happen, right? Um, biting my tongue a little bit more, um, you know, try to figure these things out. Right. And so, look, our parish is difficult decisions. These are all difficult decisions. I, I really, really think that being a bishop is probably the toughest job of the church. And then it's heightened by this whole pandemic and the, the shutdown. And the fact of the matter is there's people who won't come back to church because yeah. they've gotten used to not going to church. That is a yeah. some, one thing that I want to revisit. But what we forget as parishioners that I've had this revelation myself and I try to remind people, look, we're human and we're selfish and we have this peripheral vision that we look in the pews left and right and say, this would be better. Mm -hmm. And our pastor has this vision to see the entire parish, you know, from that perspective. And the bishop looks from a different perspective and he's got to make decisions that's best for everyone. And this is the month of May, and pastors are going to be moved Mm -hmm. and all of those kind of things. And you've had this rhythm of having a pastor for six years. If you're an intentional parishioner and you're involved in ministry and you kind of do this, uh, (laughs) what's going to go on? And, um, you know, I want to be—I want to help that. I want to be a part of helping that in our parish and— yeah, and, and the other thing is, come on, we're all human. I mean, even even our pastors don't make perfect decisions, right? And and do we have the ability to say, look, let me offer some grace and mercy when when I differ with my pastor mm-hmm. and obedience? Now, sure. this, is, this is a dirty word right now in Catholicism, 
obedience. Now, let, let's stop and think about this for a second. Jesus in the garden saying, Lord, you know, Father, take this cup from me. He didn't want it, right? I mean, his humanity was screaming out in pain, in agony. That's, that's the agony of the garden, right? Scared, worried in a sense, you know, like I don't want to suffer. That's what his humanity is screaming out. But his perfect divinity combined with that humanity in this one person of Jesus Christ is perfectly obedient and says, but not my will, but yours be done. Obedience is, is a way of being like God. It's sharing in the humanity that Jesus Christ has perfected. And we are put under other people in our lives, our parents, our pastors, and others. And obedience is a good thing for us. Now, we're not blindly obedient, right? If, if somebody told us to do something immoral or something that is contrary to my conscience, I can't obey that, right? But in things about, especially prudential matters like this, we have to be obedient. And the other part of being obedient is I'm not going to go scream on social media when I don't like the decisions of my pastors, right? I, I might be able to say to my friends or my spiritual director or my Bible study group, right, the, the people we're close to, I'm struggling with this decision or how am I supposed to manage this? But we should, we don't need to go to the megaphone all the time. You know, Stadius was talking about, mm-hmm. we don't need to scream to everybody and say, hey, bang, 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 go beat my drum. You know, I'm right, you're wrong. And, and this is what I think, this is what I think we have to be careful of because we're acting like other people in the culture. And if Christians, if, if Catholic disciples don't, you know, look a little different than everybody else, we got a problem. Exactly. Right? Yeah. My cousin lives in Forney, Texas, and the Diocese of Dallas is quite different look oh, yeah. over the whole last mm-hmm. year. And, on you know, the, as of prior to last weekend, she still had to call and sign in to go to Mass. Yeah. And you get there. If your name isn't on that list, you don't get in, mm. don't respond, don't sing, leave orderly. You know, I don't think our shutdown here was nearly that, no. not at St. Anthony's anyways. And she, uh, bless her heart, I want to pray for all the people that have had to go through that. And I was like, you know, maybe you're just being called to obedience and maybe mm. you're just being called to unite that suffering you know, that is a form of suffering mm-hmm. and unite that with Christ on the cross. And what can you really do about it? Yeah. OK, sure. Here in Bryan College Station, we have five vibrant churches with five different pastors. So go church hop if you want to. But that's not the right thing to do, really. No. Now, see, here's the thing. And just on that topic, on church hopping, because, <laughs> boy, that's a that's a burr under my saddle. Um. That parish is more yours. Judy, you go to St. Anthony. St. Anthony is more your parish than it is that pastor's mm-hmm. parish. How long? How many decades have you been there? Me? Yeah, and, and Brian. Six. Yeah. Well, I had a little break yeah. when yeah, I lived exactly. in Louisiana, I but mean, it was, I never joined another parish. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you've, you've lived there for sure. decades. Absolutely. How many pastors have you seen come through St. Anthony? Oh, a dozen? in my intentional time yeah. six seven yeah. because we had some little shaky time yeah. going on there so uh, so there we there we go yeah. that's your parish that's your family's absolutely. parish absolutely the pastors come and go most mm-hmm. of the time right you know even where we had monsignor john at saint joseph for decades it's it's more of those families parish and we got to remember that that that's god has planted us there we're supposed to be in that parish right and and the parish hopping we got to be careful about that 
Um, because it's more, it's not so much what we get out of it. It's what, what we're supposed to be putting into that community. And if, if your community at a parish is struggling, maybe we need to put more into it. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe we need to be on mission a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to start, you know, saying, okay, let's find some more like-minded parishioners and, and do something about the fact that this isn't as vibrant a parish as what it should be. Exactly. I mean, anyway, I had that so, conversation, you know, yeah, the announcement is to our next pastors who's coming. And I was like, you know what? That's <laughs> that's why your faith better be in Jesus Christ, who yeah. will never let you down. And all these other things will come and go. That's right. But let's let's come together. Yeah. Parish let's life is not meant, this. Parish life is not meant to be just, you know, um, easy. It's not meant to be something where I just go to get served. And I that's a consumerist model. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we've fallen into in 21st and 20th century Catholicism yeah. Why in the would United we not? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we think about it in all the ways, right? I get on the Amazon app on my phone now. I press a button and, you know, a day or two later, this thing shows up at my door. We're spoiled rotten. So we think I should be able to, you know, get on the website, find something for me that's going to serve me right where I want, and I'm going to come away with some kind of great spiritual experience where I'm going to have a spiritual high. Look, I'm not saying spiritual highs are bad things, it's but a good thing. ultimately our job is not a spiritual high. Our job as a disciple is to go out there and lay our lives on the line for Jesus Christ and his church so that other people go to heaven to us. And in the meantime, I'm supposed to be a saint. I'm supposed to grow in virtue. I'm supposed to be praying. I'm supposed to be serving. And, and that gives glory to our Father in heaven. That's what we're supposed to be doing as disciples. And if we're going to church thinking, well, that mass wasn't very good or that preaching wasn't good. And look, I get it. All the, all the exterior things matter. Okay. I'm, I've worked in ministry for a long time. Um, the music wasn't good this Sunday or whatever else. If that's all that we're going for and that's what we're expecting, then that's on us. That's on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it goes with the same thing with all this COVID stuff, right? I mean, the protocols of, of setting up successful transitions back into a little bit more of a normal thing I should be trying to assist with that, not just coming at it saying, okay, you know, what's the, what's the problems I'm finding in the decisions that are above my pay grade? See. Um, you know, and the, look, put it this way. There are going to be people when they start saying things like the sign of peace. There will be some people who are like, well, I haven't worn a mask in six months, and dadgummit, I'm going to give everybody around me the sign of peace. <laughs> and that guy turns around to the, to the little old lady who's 80 years old, whose husband died six months ago from COVID, Mm -hmm. who's still wearing a mask and has been given the side eye from people who aren't wearing the mask. And that poor woman who is scared out of her mind, but coming back to church because she's trying to do the right thing is going to be scared as heck to try to give that same guy. And that guy's over there going, you're an idiot. You know, I can't believe you're afraid of this little old China virus. I mean, that's honestly what some people are saying. And this little old lady is saying, well, you're trying to kill me. Well, I'm not going to touch your hand. And the two of them give each other a dirty look. They turn away. Boy, that's a sign of peace mm-hmm. right there. How about we both come at it with a little bit more respect, right? If somebody's afraid to shake my hand, I don't give them side. I smile at them and I wave, Yeah. you know, if I'm a shaker. And if I'm somebody who's scared, I do my best to smile at them and, and, and try to make some sign of peace with, you know, real intention. That, In other words, let's orient our hearts properly. Well, I really think we look at the sign of peace for what it's not. Yeah. It's not social hour, right? <laughs> it I mean, is not. And uh, God bless Father Joseph who, you know, planted that seed in my mind and just 
just think about it. When you turn around to shake someone's hand behind you, you're turning your back on the Lord yeah. who is already present on the altar. And, yeah. and let's remember what the sign of peace actually is. It's not your right. Yeah, it's a to preparation. To hug someone. Yes. Yeah, it's a preparation so that I can, I can more appropriately approach the Eucharist. You know, because right. because what does it say? It says, you know, in First Corinthians uh, 10 and 11 gives this whole spiel Paul does about the Corinthian church, which is broken and divided, and they've got all kinds of problems, and there's all kinds of issues in the church. The church, which, by the way, was living in the midst of Corinth, which has got all kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. And, and here we have this church, which he's calling to task, and he's saying to the Corinthian church, people, you don't even understand. There are people who are dying because you're unworthily receiving the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a problem with your brother, you leave your gift at the altar, and you come and you make peace. This is what the sign of peace is. is it's a moment to be in utter humility saying, I'm not God, but he is. And I am a human being who has been put on this earth to be the hands and feet of God. Mm-hmm. And I need help right now. I need to be able to approach this Eucharist worthily because this is the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that encounter with God in the Eucharist is, is, has the ability to change me if I let it. That's what the sign of peace is, is preparation exactly. for that. But I mean, <clears throat> way before COVID, all every year the Pew reports come out and mm-hmm. the number of people who actually believe that is diminishing daily. Yeah, yeah. And the proof of that is being manifested in our church right now because, you know, if there's 100 people at Mass, only less than 30 really believe what you just said. Yeah. And that's why live streaming was working. That's mm-hmm. why even that's fallen away and people are like, what do you mean you're taking, that's really sad. You're taking it away. Yeah. Uh, listeners, I want to remind you that this is a live show. We would welcome a call, a comment, a compliment to be called in at Love Red Sea. I think you're doing a great job, Judy. I think you're doing a great job. So there's your, there's your compliment. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now for all the angst. Everybody bring your calls and your angst. <laughs> well, which you get plenty of oh, on your Facebook on. page. No, I, it, well, here, here's a, you know, come on. It's like, you know, if I could do, if I could do things like, you know, these, these live national shows, believe me, they, they're screening out all the angst for, you know, when we take those calls. I mean, <laughs> so local angst, we can do that. Yes, come on. We and then welcome after you. you call and you have a problem and we, if we don't sort it out, we'll go get a cup of coffee. There all right. Or, I'm always know, up for a cup of coffee. close enough to that Shiner Bach. That or Shiner you're fond Or a glass of, of bourbon, like you said. I, you I'm go. a bourbon guy myself, you know. So, 855 683-7332. So uh, I would like to spend a little time about those conversations. Mm-hmm. Of We all know someone who has dropped off in their faith life yeah. and how to help that along the way. In mm-hmm. my opinion, I, I mean, I have some that I'm shaky to make that call because yeah. I'm concerned about the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I want to preserve the relationship, which Jesus was always pastoral. Mm -hmm. And it's hard, you know, I, thanks be to God, have a close friend who we differ completely when it comes to politics. Mm -hmm. And I've had to go to confession over my feelings towards them. Mm -hmm. And I, I know it's a character flaw on my part. But thankfully, we've been able to talk about it because, well, tell me why you said this. Yeah. Do you not understand what you're saying? Yeah. As yeah. a practicing Catholic, do you not understand that? So the relationship has been 
preserved, and that's what's most important. Mm-hmm. Everything else will work out. Well, we but, hope, uh, right? I mean, I, here's that, that everybody's got that stupid free will. Yeah, well, and the relationship hate, is important, but as Terry Lipscomb and I have the conversation, their eternal life is more important than yeah. whether I remain a relationship. I want both. Yeah. How do you move it forward? Yeah. I think that's a question a lot of people have. Well, it depends. There's no easy answer. I wish we had easy answers. Mm-hmm. I, if they did, I'd be like the, I'd be screaming in money because everybody wants that answer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but God didn't give us easy answers because people are complicated. And that's that's the case. Everybody's individual. So what what I would say, there's some principles that guide us in our evangelization, in our in our work with other people and trying to help them come to, you know. The first thing is we, we got to be careful about just, you know, is my job to deliver the truth or is my job to be an instrument of God? Sometimes it's both, right? Some, mm-hmm. And sometimes being an instrument of God is I'm just going to deliver the truth. Sometimes delivering the truth is all we have time for, you know, and but sometimes delivering the truth can be a hammer that just knocks somebody cold. So we got to be careful about how do I how do I get to the point where I can deliver the truth in a way that's going to be accepted? Because it's let me put it this way. It's more important that you deliver the truth in a way that's going to be accepted than that you deliver the truth. Agreed. Okay, let's let's go back to that for a second. If, you know, if I walk up to somebody, if I were to leave here and go across the street and go to campus and I get my soapbox out and I set it down and I say, if you don't believe in John chapter six, that Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist as the Catholic Church teaches it, then you're endangering your salvation. Okay. Is that true? Yeah, it is true. Okay. Now, is that the best way to deliver that truth? No. no, because most people are going to look at me like you're a kook. Now, if I've been I've been at a point where I've been building trust in a relationship through months where I'm actually asking questions like, "Well, how's your prayer life? How's your how's your marriage? What's going on? What do you struggle with?" And I listen for, "Okay, this person struggles with certain doctrines of Catholicism." And I get to a point where somebody says, "Could you tell me why you believe in the Eucharist? And then I say, well, I believe in it because John chapter six, Jesus says that if you don't believe in the real presence of the Eucharist, that it's body, blood, soul, divinity is there, that your salvation might be at risk. It's the same truth delivered in a completely different way in a completely different time in that person's life in a completely different context where there's trust in the relationship. Guess what happens? It's much more likely to be received as true. Mm -hmm. And the heart is in a sense prepared for that. And, and we have to understand that's the case. And, and I'll give you a biblical example. I was praying with this just the other day. You know, the rich young man is in the daily readings, right? Here's the rich young man comes to Jesus. What must falls on his knees, first of all. So it's a sign of some kind of like, I, I acknowledge that you have something that I need and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him kind of the rote answer, the, the big truth, right? And he says, I get, you know, do these things, follow the commandments. And then he says, I do all this. First of all, props to that dude. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's just all say, following all the Ten Commandments, props to you, rich young man. And then then one of the the Gospels, I don't remember which one, it's one of the, he says, and Jesus loved him. And I want to see, he understood his heart and that he was prepared for a tough thing. Not that he would receive it right away perfectly, but that he was preparing himself. And he says, he lo- Jesus loved him, and then he says to him, 
if you would be perfect, go and sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And he went away sad because he had many possessions. Now, that poor guy walks away sad. He walked away from Jesus sad. Right now, we got a lot of Catholics walking away from Jesus sad Mm -hmm. because they didn't get the message they wanted to get. Right? It could be somebody who believes, you know, they have a same-sex attraction, and they believe that the Catholic Church hates gay people. And they're walking away sad because, you know, they had some ties and they, they believe that. It could be somebody's like, you know what? I can't believe that the Catholic Church is doing X. Or it could be because of scandal. It could be a bad experience with another Catholic. It could be, I don't find community. It could be, I disagree with this. It could be, you know what? I'm having problems with whatever. Or I'm not feeling spiritually Waiting fulfilled. Waiting on an annulment. Or, yeah. Big, it's, yeah. All big these thing. different kind of things, right? Everybody's got a different reason. And we shouldn't fill in the blanks for them, right? So all these people are walking away sad. Are, are we giving up on them? No. Or are we saying, you know what, I'm going tr- to, my job is not to go yelling at them, hey, 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 this is what the Catholic Church really teaches. And if you only knew what the Catholic Church, well, well, you know what, maybe they do know what the Catholic Church teaches. Maybe their hearts just aren't oriented in a place where they can really accept it. And that's a different thing. I mean, I know that I've struggled with some Catholic doctrines and teachings. And at different points in my life. But Same, when, the, when you're convicted with the truth, mm-hmm. then is a point where you can be converted. That's a different, right? When I'm convicted with the truth that Jesus is God and I should follow him, then I can be converted. When I'm convicted that the Eucharist is truly the Eucharist or that confession is necessary or that the church has teaching authority, then I can be converted to it. That's a different thing. Now, let me, maybe, let me be a little devil's advocate Do to what it. you've been saying. So what about uh, two, two points? So... Um, you know, paraphrasing Bishop Sheen, he said something like, there are many, many, many people who hate the Catholic Church mm-hmm. for what they think it is, but there's not, a, there's only a handful or, or something to that effect of yeah. people who hate the Catholic Church who really know yeah, who what, know it, what is. it is. Yeah. Um, so that, that would go to proclaiming the, the truth of the Church. And then what about that sort of a, a complaint of, well, when you say I need to be in relationship with somebody and build trust, and before I really deliver the truth, mm-hmm. um, well, you're never, you know, you're never going to get to that point where you actually feel like you can deliver the truth. It's so easy to just say, oh, I need to keep, I need to keep building trust. I need to keep building relationship before I can yeah, really. How do you so grapple with yeah, those two things? Your second point first, okay, and that's you know we don't get to the point where we're going to deliver truth. That's cowardice. But it's also just ignorance of how do I do this properly? Mm -hmm. And I think what happened is very few of us have these relationships where somebody is actually in a position where they can deliver the truth in a loving, kind way. And I've been having a real uh, spiritual moment in the last couple of weeks on the kindness of God. Um, I'm actually going to talk about this next week at Magnify, which they asked me to do here at St. Mary's. And I'm going to talk about the kindness of God. A little plug, slip that yeah, little plug in there. That's natural. That's how you do these things. So <laughs> next week, magnify. When is that? What uh, what day and time? Uh, is Wednesday. I don't know what time. They okay, tell me. I think when it's at eight. Up. All right, check the check AggieCatholic.org. Marcel is in. So anyway, we're gonna the the kindness of God, and part of the kindness of God is not just I'm nice. Part of the kindness of God is I'm gonna deliver something that's tough for you to hear, right? Tough to receive. It's, it might change you. 
Jesus did this kind of stuff. Paul did this stuff. The great saints and evangelists did these things, right? And if we're going to walk in their shoes and try to do the same thing, then there are times where we're going to have to have difficult conversations with people. It, some, it just takes us having the guts to be able to do it. But we got to do it in a loving, kind manner, okay? Kindness does not negate the fact that I'm going to do something tough or difficult or that might actually drive somebody away. But we have to do it in a discerning way that where we, we know our hearts oriented. It's not, I'm going to be right. You know what I mean? So we I love that razor's edge balance that you're <laughs> you're talking about. That's it's difficult. That's awesome. Yeah, but let me let me put it this way, okay? Uh, I worked a long time when I was here at St. Mary's with sex addicts, and you know, if you were working with a sex addict, you know, the first thing they need to know is they're loved by God, no matter what, no matter what. And any everybody needs to hear that message, though, right? I mean, there's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. There's no sin big enough. There's no repetitive thing. There's no addiction. God loves you right where you are. Okay. That's true, and I'm going to remind you of that all the time, period, point blank. You need to hear that message. That is, that is the good news. But there's also some bad news here. The bad news is, guess what? God's love for you wants to purify you and change you, and, and you can't just say, I'm loved, and therefore I'm done, and I can continue to do the things I'm doing. I need, if I need help, I need to go get help. And there are times when you say, you know what? It's on you, bro. It's on you. The, every time you decide to look at porn or something like that, it's on you. You're the one doing it. And yeah, you're an addict, but you know what the right thing is. And let's, what are you willing to give for getting rid of this thing in your life so that you can follow unreservedly the one who loves you perfectly? And that's a difficult message, but I did that based in relationship. Not, because if I'd have done that up front right. without, without the knowledge of God loves you, that's, that's going to drive them away. It's the same thing when... My spiritual director, who's been my spiritual director for more than a decade now, looks at me and says, cut the crap. You know, you know what's right and wrong and do this thing, okay? This is, this is what you're going to do in the next month before we meet the next time. X. Oh, I don't want to do X. Well, you're going to go do X because that's the right thing. And that's, that's a difficult message received in love, right? So that's the first thing. I don't even remember your first question. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm Fulton Sheen. So, so blessed Fulton Sheen, about venerable Fulton Sheen, I think about to be up for canonization. Um, Fulton Sheen is a great example. Uh, when you know he's, he's saying in the United States there are millions who who hate the Catholic Church for what they believe it is, but there's only a handful who believe, you know truly hate what Catholicism truly is. Yes, but we're not just going to correct the errors. I mean, think about somebody like Christopher Hitchens who believed that Mother Teresa was an evil person. Okay. If I just deliver the truth to Christopher Hitchens, that's not going to change his mind. He already, he's already settled into this belief, right? What's going to change his mind is, well, I'm a holy person who hasn't given up on Christopher Hitchens, who's still traveling, you know, somewhat side by side with him, who's invested time and energy and, and all this stuff into that person who now says, guess, you know, we can challenge each other and do so out of kindness. And he sees I'm living a different life. Yeah, I drink bourbon socially, but I'm not going to go get drunk. Um, yeah, I do that. I'm trying to raise my kids in the right way, and I don't use those kind of words or other things. And I try to pray every day, and I try to serve other people. And no, I'm not perfect. And when I'm not perfect, I go to confession. I ask forgiveness. And when I hurt you, I ask you to you know forgive me. That's what a Christian is supposed to look like, and that's very different. So we got to start by looking different and talking different and sharing things that are different. And only then will that truth have the power to penetrate the heart. Now, don't get me wrong. Okay, God is God. He can, if, 
I mean, somebody watching a YouTube video of somebody who says, Jesus is Lord, and they're like, oh, I had a moment of craziness, and I fell on my knees, and I prayed, and now I'm a Catholic, you know, and I'm... That could happen. I'm not saying it won't, but ordinarily it's done in relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So, so let, um, but we got to have the guts to be able to deliver the truth at some point, right? So I'll shut up. Yeah. No, uh, that's why we pay you the big bucks, Marcel. That's why I asked you to come here, uh, not to shut up. He didn't tell him we were going to pay him anything. We didn't. (laughs) Twice as much as the last time when you were here. Exactly. I quadrupled my pay from zero. uh, We we have a few minutes left, and I I would like to have spirit of hope here. Let's uh, talk about some hopeful things that we can build each other up and uh, console. Yeah, let's Each praise God, thing. first of all, that we get, you know, our churches are opening back up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of places where they're still locked down and other things, and we don't have, they don't have access to the sacraments like we do. So let's, first of all, let's take advantage of that. Let's, let's run back to the Eucharist if we haven't gone already. Let's run back to confession if we need to. Um, let's praise the Lord in, in truth and goodness, the fact that we get to go, even if the homily isn't all that great this weekend, even if the music isn't all that, even if you get the side eye from somebody else in the pew, let's not let that affect our peace. Absolutely. Okay? So God is present to us right now in the tabernacle, in his scriptures, in his priesthood, where two or more are gathered in the name in the community. Jesus is present. This is what the church teaches in those. Mm-hmm. And he's most important. Sounds like present. you've been to my confirmation class. Yeah, myself. he's most importantly <laughs> present in the Eucharist, right? And we get to receive him into our bodies. Oh, what what joy should overflow in us. I remember when, you know, we came out of the, what was it, two months of lockdown, complete mm-hmm. lockdown, and we got to go back to Mass with all the restrictions and everything. And, and I got to receive, I was, I was, Fallen mm-hmm. when I got to receive the Eucharist, and I don't ever want to lose that yeah. that awe that yeah. I reapproach the sacrament with, because knowing that that is God and I got to receive Him into my body, I mean that's the way I should receive Him every time, isn't it? Yeah, I've now, had some conversations about the stark contrast of this past Easter season and mm, a year before yeah. that. I mean, I was very blessed to be a pastoral musician, so. Once the initial nobody can go to mass came about to a little bit mm-hmm. and, you know, Good Friday, it was me and the lector and the priest and the deacon yeah. and the feeling of community that I was able to stand in the gap and offer that, yeah. Lord, I represent all these people who can't be here. And then this year, what great joy to be a part of the Easter Vigil and the Holy Thursday, Good Friday, all of those things coming about. And gosh, I I mean, I had COVID, so I had to stay home for two weeks. I had the Christmas exposure time and time again. Mm -hmm. So I had two more weeks to uh, sit out and it just, oh, the yearning and the loss of that. And, uh, you know, it would be a wonderful world that that was infectious and attractive to someone and they would come and ask you those questions, but it's not always the case. It's rare, yeah. as a matter of fact. Yeah, and here's a couple of things I'd say. One is a real disciple of Jesus who wants to change people's lives initiates in relationship. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that God always initiates in relationship. And God is not captured by our limitations. In other words, that... You know, we might have these problems with COVID. God has no problem with COVID. Mm -hmm. We have these lockdowns. God is never locked down. 
our Lord is not contained um, to, you know, some virus is not going to keep him caged. He is, he is a untamed wild animal who wants to come after our hearts right now. And he wants to, to infect us with his love. And he's way more powerful than any virus could ever be. And let's not forget the fact that um, th- this life that we're living right now is in this place on this earth is not our home. It is not our home. And that's our hope. Our hope is in heaven. And that even if a virus were to take my life, even if a virus were to take my life or the life of somebody I love, God is not contained by that. And he still loves me. And in fact, he loves me so much that he's going he's gonna to pour out eternity on me if I just remain faithful with him. That's the beauty and that's the hope, Judy. Absolutely. Uh, Marcel, you mentioned that you were going to be speaking at Magnify oh, yeah. next week. What yeah, else so you got going avoided. on? Uh, I don't have much going on right now. Um, it's summer. I'm kind of, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm trying to do a lot of prep work for Catholic missionary disciples. Um, working with a lot of Catholic leaders later this summer, we're going to have something rolling out for your average Catholic who wants to be a better evangelist. Keep your I eyes out. I can't wait to see that, fun. to tell our listeners how they can find out more about yeah, Catholic missionary Yeah, go to catholicmissionarydisciples.com. Um, and uh, just go over to that little tab that says give and then give at least a million dollars. Okay. At least a million dollar donation. And, and we're all good. That's it. So that's the only that's, thing that's holding it. you back, huh? <laughs> yeah, we're, no. God bless you guys. It's been a joy being here. Great. Message from Terry Lipscomb enjoying the talk oh, today. So Terry. she said to Terry. Shout out hey, to Terry Lipscomb. Absolutely. Hey, thank you for listening. This is Red Sea Roundup. Go and be blessed. So you had one graduate from college, huh? My my oldest got married two weeks ago.